Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick? And apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. All right, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Husband! Wife! What are we doing today? Well, we have finished Isaiah, so that means that today we are doing... A wrap up. Yeah, we're finishing it up. We're we're going over the shit. We're yes. We're ending Isaiah. We're almost out of here. Yeah. Tomorrow we've got your always wrong. And then we'll be officially done. Yes. And it can't happen soon enough. <laughs> Did you want to give us a sneak peek of anything we're going over today or just get right into it? Um, we're just mostly talking about what the book entailed and who was Isaiah and how do we view it today kind of thing. So, okay. I mean, it's a lot of it's stuff that we may have discussed before, but that I thought deserved a recap. Put it at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. You ready to do this? I am. Let's do it. Okie dokie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, so we are summarizing the book of Isaiah and wrapping that shit up. Okay. If you had to give a summary of Isaiah, like just a brief overview, could you do it? Um, I think my brief overview would be they can't decide who's writing the fucking book. Yeah. And um, God wants to kill us all and save us all. Yes. That's the gist of it. And he still really loves the Israelites and also hates Oh, them. and the New Testament loves it. Yes, they do. So They like, really do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that about does it. I guess we're out. Just kidding. <laughs> So the book of Isaiah is the first of the latter prophets okay. in the Hebrew Bible and the first of the major prophets in the Christian Old Testament. Got it. So just depends on how you talk See about it. it. And, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It is identified by a superscription as the words of the 8th century BCE prophet Isaiah ben Amoz. Unless, of course, you skip to the part where it's not the 8th century and it's later. Yeah. Where yeah. somebody else is writing it for him. Exactly. Yeah. BCE. 8th BCE. BCE. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, the book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies and oracles delivered by the prophet Isaiah, hypothetically. Right. Over a period of several decades in the 8th and 7th centuries BCE. That's a very friendly way of putting that. Yes. Um, we're going to break it down a little bit more sure. as we, you know, go through this. But that's the general overview. Okay. okay. All right. The book is divided into two main parts. First Isaiah and second Isaiah. Okay. That's separate from, remember, we decided um, later on that it was also broken up into three different parts. Right. That's not confusing at all. No. It just, um, people have divided it into. In using different methods, okay? So um, a lot of scholars view it as 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah. Which is essentially where Isaiah might have written it uh, compared to where Isaiah definitely didn't write it. No, that would be the way they do that is more the... um, The three sections? The three sections. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's how they determine the time period. Okay. Um, This one is just more based on the purpose and material of the books. Ah. Okay. So first Isaiah um, would consist of chapters one through 39. Remember there's a total of 66. Yep. So one through 39. Um, first Isaiah is primarily concerned with the judgment and salvation of the kingdom of Judah. Right. Isaiah condemns the people of Judah for, their idolatry, injustice, and hypocrisy. He warns them that God's judgment is coming, but he also promises that a remnant of faithful people will be saved. And that's a pretty good, I think, summary of First Isaiah. Was that right? the bit? Did he, did he walk around naked in the First Isaiah? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted, wanted to check. I you just wanted exactly. to say Isaiah walked around well, naked. Well, I mean, that's good shit. That is some that, good that's shit. Some, that's, a, that's a juicy bit, you know? That is a juicy bit. Yeah. yeah. I, that didn't make it into my notes, and mm. it should have, yeah, so right? that's that's on me. <laughs> a second Isaiah consists of chapters 40 through 66. Okay. And second Isaiah was written during the Babylonian exile. Right. 
after the kingdom of Judah had been conquered and destroyed. Right. In these chapters, Isaiah offers a message of hope and consolation to the exiled Israelites. He assures them that God will deliver them from exile and restore them to their homeland. He also prophesies the coming of a Messiah who will establish a new kingdom of justice and peace. Mm. We'll get into the Messiah a little bit later. Yeah. But um, the Messiah that they're referring to there is Cyrus. Right. So, right. Um, but again, we'll talk about that, that later. That he calls by name, apparently. Because, you know. Yeah. He, he prophesied it that well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, another way to organize the chapters is thus. Um, and this is also split in two. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this is split exactly in half. Chapters 1 through 33 and then chapters 44. I'm sorry, 34 through 66. What is the purpose of that? Um, it's just, just to split an, it in half? It's an, another way that uh, scholars view it. Okay. So in chapters 1 through 33, if we're going to divide it out this way, um, this section warns of judgment and promises restoration for Judah, Jerusalem, and the nations. God has a plan which, when realized, will see Jerusalem as the center of his worldwide rule. On that day, all the nations of the world will come to Zion, Jerusalem, for instructions. But first, the city must be punished and cleansed of evil. Israel is invited to join in this plan. Because remember, he's mostly talking to Judah at that point. Right. Um, The significance of the Assyrian judgment, and keep that in mind, Assyrian judgment against Israel is explained. Righteous rule by the Davidic king will follow after the arrogant Assyrian monarch is brought down. Okay. Preparation of the nations for Yahweh's world rule is announced, and it is further announced that a royal savior, the Messiah, will emerge in the aftermath of Jerusalem's punishment. So you can see that this is phrased a little bit differently. Um, even though it covers the same material, the focus is different. Sure. Um And in this breakdown, um, chapters 34 through 66 presume that judgment has been pronounced and restoration follows soon. The oppressor, who is now identified as Babylon rather than Assyria, which is one of the ways in which we can tell that um, there might have been at least two, if not many more authors, is about to fall. It is prophesied that Yahweh will return the redeemed exiles to Jerusalem. And we are told of the faithfulness of King Hezekiah to Yahweh during the Assyrian siege as a model for the restored community. The restoration of Zion is taking place because Yahweh, the creator of the universe, has designated the Persian king Cyrus the Great as the (laughs) promised Messiah and temple builder. Right. It is, quote unquote, predicted that a suffering servant will be the Messiah, the one that the prophet speaks of in the previous verses. We then read an exhortation to Israel to keep the covenant. God's eternal promise to David is now made to the people of Israel and Judah at large. The book ends by enjoining righteousness as the final stages of God's plan come to pass including the pilgrimage of the nations to Zion and the realization of Yahweh's kingship. Wow, that is very, um, that, that, that is a very uh, 
happy version right for people who believe in god yes that you just portrayed there yes because that is there's that is like i I can see how they got that right but at the same time i'm like that is so far from what i was hearing and that's why i wanted to include these different ways to break it down because now that like i had read those and i read from those a little bit before we started yeah and we didn't really get the full impact of that because we hadn't read it yet. Sure. Now that we've read it, we can look back at the way that people are studying this and going, oh, you're dumb. These fuckers it's, have it's beer goggles when they fucking read the Bible. Yeah. They're they like, definitely oh, I, do. I love, I love God. He's such a great guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> you ain't right. <laughs> So, as we uh, discussed, yeah. few scholars today attribute the entire book, or even most of it, to one person. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. However, the book's essential unity has become a focus in more recent research. So, okay. You know, Meaning that it doesn't all <laughs> work together, because well, obviously other people wrote it. Right, but... That would that would be saying that we recognize that it's written by other people, but the unity, what they mean by that is all the messages combined together from all these different authors over time period. Oh. That's what unity means. The I don't I didn't I mean the unity was very simple simple because yes. the unity was essentially God is going to save people, but he's also going to punish people. The unity is Follow these rules and fear God. The rule, the the unity right. is just the message that we've been hearing since early on. I was just gonna say, hasn't it always been that message? Yeah, like yeah. it's the same fucking message. It's just coming from a different prophet. Sure. And it's not. And he's putting a little more skin in the game. To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't, I didn't feel a lot of unity in how the book, you know, went through. Like it, it there was, there was definitely different tones and different. Um, ways that things were handled throughout this book okay keep in mind because i i don't disagree i do agree with you but keep in mind that a this is our first read through b we don't really fully understand a lot of the history and context of what was going on at the time we're still piecing it all together sure as non-academics and non-scholars and um See, we're reading a chapter at a time over a very long time period yeah. and losing a lot of like what happened in the beginning of the book versus where we just finished. So I think I think you're making a fair critique, but I also think that it's not necessarily a fair critique in that you have to take into consideration all those other points. I guess. I guess I, I just didn't find a lot of um, consistency in how it was written sure. and what it was written about because. And that's why the scholars break it down into different parts. Right. Right. Obviously. Obviously. But the, the, the beautiful version that we're trying to pitch is that Isaiah wrote the whole fucking thing and predicted all the things. You, you know what I mean? Like right. that, that does not, that can't ever work in my head. No, I get That's it. That's never going to be a thing that is going to say... I, I'm never going to say Isaiah was written by Isaiah. No, Th I... Th that's just I not totally how it happened. I totally agree with you. And and they weren't trying to say that. When they say right. the essential unity, they're not trying to say... 
I got the it. book was written by one guy. They're trying to say, no, this clearly was written by a bunch of guys who are all trying to say a very similar thing and who added to each other's messages. I so get they're it. looking at the um the bulletin board and not the individual pieces and the authors of each note that's pinned on the board. But I guess what we're talking about, so the, I, the, I may be getting too far ahead here, but the part that bothers me, I guess, is that we are talking about God, right? And God's message, and it's being, it's being told to us hypothetically through Isaiah. And so you and I, based on reading this and based on some of the research we've done, mm-hmm. know that that is not true. Right. Like, there are other writers, right? Yes. So, essentially, what Isaiah is, to me, is a big, fat fucking lie. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. 100%. And, and why does God, why does God need to have people lie for him? Totally why does agree. God need to spread a message that is not truthful? Well, because there is no such thing as God. No, I, I get that. I, I, obviously, I get that. Right. But what I don't get is how people can't see that. Like, why is that not a question that people have? Why does God, in his book, have to lie to us? Um, I think you know the answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm not even going to because no, I, 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 know, think, I, know. I think you know the answer. Okay, so moving on, it was held as a consensus through most of the 20th century, so the 1900s, yep. that the book comprises three separate collections of oracles. And that's where we get into the Proto, Deutero, and Trito. Right. Okay. okay. And we kind of switched from the first and second Isaiah to the Proto, Deutero, Trito because I didn't fully grasp um, that there, they had split these up into different groups for different methods of study and at, at different time periods sure. of study. Sure, sure. So um, that uh, that's another reason I wanted to kind of include all this so I could like straighten us out a little bit. Got it. Okay. So in Proto-Isaiah, that's chapters 1 through 39, which that is very consistent with the first half or thereabouts. Right. Um, 1 through 39 is also the exact same measure as first Isaiah. And in my recollection, those were the ones that were more or less attributed to Isaiah. Correct. Um, Proto-Isaiah contains the words of the 8th century BCE prophet Isaiah. Right. Yes. So basically a little over half the book. Sure. First Isaiah. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, chap- sorry, I scrolled and lost my place. <laughs> Chapters 40 through 55. So now we're taking that second block of second Isaiah and splitting it into two. Sure. Okay. Yep. So... Um, the first part of that, chapters 40 through 55, we call Deutero-Isaiah, or the Book of Consolation. Okay. And I don't recall having seen that before. Okay. Maybe I said it, but like I said, I don't recall I can't recall, recall it. honestly. Um, this is the work of an anonymous 6th century BCE author writing during the exile. This section describes how God will make Jerusalem the center of his worldwide rule through a royal savior the Persian king Cyrus the Great, who will destroy the oppressor, Babylon. Yeah. Cyrus is merely a tool. He is the agent God uses to bring about Yahweh's kingship. Isaiah speaks out against the corrupt leaders and for the disadvantaged and roots righteousness in God's holiness rather than in Israel's covenant. 
Okay. Which I was like, whoa, say that again? Yeah. Um, He talks more about how God is awesome, so we owe God this, and God is going to find him his own self-pleasurable. Remember, we <laughs> yes, were making I do fun of that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was more what was concentrated on in that section than the actual covenant that God made with Israel. Got it. Like, it's more about the relationship than the covenant, if right, that makes right, sense. Right, yeah. Which we kind of realize that, but this phrasing of it, like, really brings that home. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So then the latter half of Second Isaiah Chapters 56 through 66 was Trito Isaiah. Sure. That's what we just finished up. Yeah. An anthology of oracles by unknown prophets, about 12 passages composed in the years immediately following the return from exile in Babylon. Okay. Trito Isaiah concerns Jerusalem, the temple, the Sabbath, and ultimately Israel's salvation. And that makes sense. They talked a lot about the rebuilding of Jerusalem and mm-hmm. Zion, you know, Zion. Yep. And what's um, going to happen and, and how how pretty it's going to be in the new yeah. heavenses. So the book can be read as an extended meditation on the destiny of Jerusalem into and after the exile. Which sure. that is a very, I don't know if I would call it a meditation. Right, um, yeah. That, that gets very uh, fairy tale language for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I... I know that a lot of people that read the Bible, quote unquote, you know, they don't really, they read bits and pieces, right? They, right. they take out bits and pieces. And I could see how you could make this beautiful because well, yeah. because almost every single chapter that we read had a really beautiful thing about sure. the believers, right? So like if you, yeah. if you chose to read the quotes about what the believers are going to receive coming into yes. this or and that or the other. And you don't read any of the other stuff. Right. Yeah. And it would sound fucking wonderful, right? Yeah. But... We're reading it. We're actually reading it. And it's not. It's fucking trash. And God's fucking us. He's a fucking psychopath. What I think this actually just came to my head. And um, you can tell me to STFU if you want. Okay. I think it might be kind of fun to maybe when we're completely done with the Bible, Mm -hmm. follow a devotional for a year. Oh, God. And just to compare the devotional of how they take out various unrelated verses it that would happen be... to have the same message and be like, no, fuck you. This word love or what the fuck ever in this, like you're taking it completely out of context and you know you are, asshole. I mean, it could be interesting, but I don't know if I have it in me to do that. Right, right. <laughs> I just, I think it would be just something to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just put it out. Right. Put it out right. there. Okay. Okay. I'll, right. I'll type it in like one of our extra ideas to sure. think about, Paige. Sure. Yeah. All right, so next section that I want to get into is who wrote Isaiah, which we already kind of know. Yeah. So the authorship of the book of Isaiah has been re-examined and debated by many scholars. No doubt. Some claim that style changes, time hops, and shift in word choice indicate as many as three separate authors. Others argue for hundreds of contributors, (laughs) perhaps disciples of Isaiah, compiling his ideas and building on his work. Or maybe these disciples contributed nothing and only collected Isaiah's words throughout his ministry. Sure. So. And I, you know what? I actually could believe that it was not Isaiah writing the the beginning bits because there was parts where they wrote 
about Isaiah. Right. And if you're Isaiah, I don't feel like you would write about yourself Isaiah. in the third person. Yeah, Only that would Trump be, does be something so really, asinine and weird. Right. Yeah. And there was there were some times where there were some, you know, things like that happening as far as him speaking sure. too. Sure. And it would be very odd if he was writing himself that way. Yeah, and I think that disciples writing it writing his words for him also would explain some of the wait, who's talking? Is this Isaiah yeah. talking as God or is this Isaiah talking as God talking as Israel? Or, <laughs> like, remember that was so confusing for yes, a while. It really like, was. And they were very bad on using pronouns. And yes. We couldn't tell what was going on half the time. Yeah, so. it was very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame myself for that. No, no. At all. No. Okay, so the earliest manuscript of Isaiah was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls dating from 175 BCE. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah was one of the most popular works among Jews in the period between the foundation of the Second Temple, circa 515 BCE, and its destruction by the Romans in 70 CE. Okay. So think about that time period. Yeah. Um, Jesus, if we're to believe he was born in year zero. Right. He would have been very influenced by Isaiah. Definitely. Definitely. So that kind of And it of would have puts... more of a like it would have a um an in the moment meaning. Yes. Because the Romans just like that's not even something that we discussed, right? Because it's not in Isaiah. Sure. But it would have a very relevant meaning in that moment. Yes. Because they could interpret it to mean this is that moment, not the prior. Right. Exactly. So that's, exactly. that is actually really interesting. Yeah. I, I saw those dates and I was like, oh, like, like I, I just got goosebumps. That's literally nothing we talked about at all. Right. But, I, but. And it doesn't say it in my notes either. Right. It's something that occurred to me as I'm looking at, I'm like, hold on, 70 CE, it, Jesus it's is year close zero, to, yeah, right? So like, so, obviously they were under, well, I mean, and we know that they were under Roman control because that's. Yeah. When Jesus that's got history. in trouble from the Romans, yeah. right? So they were being, you know, they were exiled right. to Roman, to Rome. You know, yeah. like Rome had control of the Israelites. Yes. So the, if Isaiah was popular prior to the Roman takeover, obviously it still held sway. And yes. so the ideas in Isaiah, and especially because they became very prevalent in the New Testament. Right. That's we, what I'm we saying. We almost know without a doubt that it is all very much pointed to that book, the book and, of and, Isaiah. and that they were yeah. interpreting it within their own time. Yeah. That's that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, it really is. I'm glad that that came up because I that that's puts a gonna, whole new spin on, like, the entire... The entire New Fucking Testament is yeah. going to be like, oh, I know where you came from. Yeah, no, that, you, that's really cool. You were written, like, in one day. Okay, and again, really, I mean, but... obviously, we're just, you know, hypothesizing this right. ourselves because we didn't read this anywhere, but... Right. It makes a lot of fucking sense. Right. Well, I mean, if you think about this, um, Rome destroyed the temple in 70, right? Okay. Yep. So when Jesus was like a 35-year-old man walking around Rome and doing his thing, and Isaiah was like right at its height before it got trampled along with the temple, right? Um. Yeah. So you're, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see you're, what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. They, so, it was popular up until 70, obviously, because that's when the Romans came in and then yeah. war, war was a thing, basically. Yeah. And being subjugated and all that. Yeah. So, 
but Jesus would have been walking around during this time and, you like know. Like a hundred years later. What do you mean? Well, the temple got sacked by the Romans in 70 BCE, right? Yeah. No. 70 CE. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's why I stressed oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I gotcha. Yeah. So if Jesus is, you know, born year zero, what the fuck ever, why ever our calendar has to be that way. Sure. He's a 35-year-old man walking around and walking around and Rome is like 35 years out from destroying the temple. And they're already under their control, too. Yes. And so. and the book of Isaiah is like at the height of fame. Right. That's what I was that's what I was trying to convey. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. It's crazy that like they will say um, yeah, Isaiah is so popular that they call him like the fifth gospel, but they don't explain why. Right. He's not the fifth gospel. He's the first gospel and everything else came out of it. Right. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, who was Isaiah? Um, uh, a naked madman. Right. He was a Judean prophet who served from the end of Uzziah's reign in 740 BCE. Mm-hmm. through 701 BCE when Hezekiah sat on the throne. Got it. It is at least possible that his ministry lasted much longer, extending back through Uzziah's reign and forward to the time of Manasseh okay. in 696 to 642 BCE. Okay, whatever. Who cares? I doubt he was there the whole time because that would have made yeah. him like 100 years old or more. Sure. So, so whatever. During the time of these prophecies, Israel and Judah were in danger of being swallowed by the Assyrian Empire because, you know, Assyria was out of control. They were taking over everything. Right, right. They were doing all the things. <clears throat> Isaiah spoke during this troubled time, revealing his people's unfaithfulness to God and foretelling the inevitable Babylonian captivity more than a century before Jerusalem was taken. Except that, as we already talked about, he was foretelling the Assyrian yeah. yeah. Takeover. Because that's what was happening. Yes. And the Babylonian thing only happened because somebody else wrote about that instead. Yeah. Later. Exactly. But okay. Yeah. It is thought that he probably recorded these events and prophecies in Jerusalem not long after the end of his ministry. Isaiah's writings contrast a loving God with the sinful nation of Israel. A yeah, something God. like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and also... Those people are going to pay for their sins. Yeah. Like, okay, that's not a loving God, but, you know, whatever you want to think. But the prophet does more than merely promise disaster amid chaos and uncertainty. Isaiah focuses on the sovereignty of God and his compassionate and holy offer of salvation. You know the term holier than thou? Uh Uh-huh. I think people really like to feel holier than thou. I think God is holier than thou. And I feel like Isaiah gives people that ability to feel holier than thou. Mm -hmm. You can say, well, I'm better than you because I follow all the tenets and I truly believe, right? Yeah. And obviously you had your, um, all your crops die and all your, your livestock die because you are just a piece of shit. Obviously. And I am so much better than you are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like, it, yeah. it's 
it's the same feeling I get from Christians today. Like yeah. they, they have this thing where they're like, I am going to this perfect, wonderful place and you are going to roast in goddamn hell. And you deserve it. Right? Yeah. You were born on the wrong continent, fuckface. <laughs> you were not born to people with money, fuckface. You apparently you... can't hear God. Fuckface. Because... Like, the rest of the sentence is always, fuckface. Right, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. okay, well... Right. You just go on over there and do your thing. But yeah. stay out of my uterus, you know? Right. Amid chaos and uncertainty, I... Oh, I just read that. Blah, blah, blah. Salvation. Salvation. Isaiah prophecies that God will turn from righteous anger and lead Israel out of captivity. This is a book of promises. It sure the fuck was. Mm -hmm. The assurance of God's holiness carries with it conviction and discipline, but the promise of mercy and salvation brings hope. Mm. And the people of Israel needed both discipline and hope. It must have been really shitty back then because the promise that he gave them didn't sound like a really great promise to right? me. Right? Think about how shitty your life must be if that sounds good. Yeah. Like, somebody has you in a dungeon, right? And they have broken your kneecaps and um, fed you, like, rat poop infested water. And they come along and they're like, all you have to do is... X, Y, Z. Begging for forgiveness, basically. Whatever. Whatever it may be. Right. X, Y, Z. And I will not pull off your fingernails. Yeah. Like, oh my God, sign me up for that plan. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's the idea that we are supposed to be excited about. Right. Like, you're going to not pull out my fingernails and I'm supposed to be grateful? Yeah. That is bullshittery. Oh, I agree. Finest. That's that's why I had so much trouble with this book because I have it was feeling. so back and forth about how he was going to punish and, and and even when you were supposed to be following him or or you were you were on the right path, you were still supposed to fear him always. because he could always turn and and smite you or kill you or make you do be, whatever. Be on his period that day. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I have a feeling you are going to be so cranky during the New Testament. And I was already not looking forward <laughs> to it. So here's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Isaiah chapter 44 contains the first clear statement of monotheism. And I kind of vaguely remember that. I yeah, think. we talked about it. We noticed it. We said it. Yeah. Um, the verse, it's verse six in chapter 44. And it goes, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me, there is no God. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then he goes on um, to say some other stuff. But anyway, while Yahweh had shown his superior to other gods before, in Second Isaiah, he becomes the sole God of the world. Except for that later, we still ended up talking about multiple other gods. And I mean, it, it reverted back. Like, they, they, they only held on to it for a moment, and then it was like... In Isaiah? Yeah. I don't recall that. We it were talking like... about, uh, what was the 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 deities, the... Uh, the idols? Yeah, we were talking about idols, and then there was the capital... Uh, I can't remember what it was now, but okay. it was like uh, freedom, and I don't know, they started with... There was like an F, and there was a, something else. I can't remember what they started with, but there was some... Sub gods that that came about at one point or something like that. 
Fortune and Destiny? Yes, Fortune and Destiny. Okay, yes and no. Um, those were, um, those were described as pagan idols, not as gods that exist. Okay. So, but they did capitalize them as as names. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. As names of y'all set the table for this bullshittery. Right. You know. Right. You set aside, but they're still acknowledging that other people. They're they're at they're least acknowledging, acknowledging that other, other people people's are, beliefs, but right. they're not acknowledging that gods exist. That was always ten, tenuous, though, in the past too. They they talked a lot about idols in the past, so it's but not it's also, not a completely different tone. But they also talked a lot about um, the belief, or they talked a lot about God, the gods, and who is the best among them. You know what I mean? Sure. So. I don't know. I, yeah, I, it's I, subtle, but I mean. Yeah. But but they didn't. It didn't change dramatically, other than that statement that was made. Right. The, that statement was a strong push towards monotheism. But, right. Well, this is this is the first instant of it. Yeah, is yeah, what they're right. saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, he had shown his superiority to other gods before, which I said. Right. And um, in Second Isaiah, he becomes the sole god of the world. This model of monotheism became the defining characteristic of post-exilic Judaism and became the basis for Christianity and Islam. It's just funny to me, though, that they're saying monotheism, right? Yeah. This God hasn't even touched the islands or the, right. you know, these other far places that are not really that fucking far. Right. You know, and I'm like, if you are the only God... You should be telling us about the fucking Native Americans. You should be telling us about the um, people on the rest people of in the Japan planet. or whatever. You know, Russia. like you should know everything. Yeah, but no, you only know this small patch of land. That's right. it. Exactly. Which is because the only people that are that do know this are the people that are writing it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. whatever, whatever. I'm I'm going off about stupid shit. Stupid shit. It so, is stupid. Yeah. But that is all I had for today. To summarize and yak about um the book of isaiah all right sounds good well that is our wrap up for today yep and we will be back tomorrow with our you're always wrong or contradictions episode sure as fuck will and then i will get our weekly uh replay together for all of our episodes this week and then we will be back on monday starting jeremiah was a bullfrog All right, we'll see you guys then. Bye. Hey, wife, I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh, my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Oh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? 
head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.